Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine podcast. This is episode 50. I'm your host, Riley. This week, we got a lot to go over. It is Olympic week. Um, it is time for the Olympics finally after obviously a year delay. Everybody knows that. But for the second time, golf is in the Olympics. It's a very unique field. There's just a lot going on. Obviously, two of the biggest names are no longer playing, which is a bit of a bummer. The field got a lot weaker over the last couple of weeks, actually over the weekend, really. Uh, I think all the news kind of broke Sunday, which kind of sucks, but lose two of the biggest names, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, the field is very unique. There's a lot of storylines going into it. Obviously, Colin Morikawa is leading the U.S. team. He's playing some of the best golf of his career, coming off of winning the Open Championship. Justin Thomas is another guy, one of the more electric guys on the PGA Tour. One of the more electric guys just in golf when he gets it going. I don't know if anybody can beat him. Then we have Xander Shoffley, who when he's playing at his best, pretty much any week, he you can just chalk up Xander Shoffley as a top 15. If he brings it, he's going to be in the conversation to podium. And then replacing the aforementioned Bryson DeChambeau is Captain America, Mr. Patrick Reed, who started his Ryder Cup President's Cup career as one of he was just a dog. He was unbelievable in the Ryder Cup in 2016. Obviously, that was at Hazeltine with the Rory match and whatever. He started his Ryder Cup career with a phenomenal record. Uh, the latest version of the President's Cup struggled. Obviously, he struggled in the Ryder Cup. I don't know. His record hasn't been as good as it was uh, back in the, his early days of competing in those team events. He had a tough time in France. I believe, what was that, 2018, he didn't have the best record. So he hasn't been as phenomenal in team events and that kind of stuff uh, for the American side. But he is the last player on the U.S. roster. I expect good things. He's been playing some pretty good golf. We're going to talk about him when we get to the Olympics preview. But the American team is stacked. We're going to go over all those guys more in depth later in the Olympics. We have a couple of the international guys that we're going to target this week. Uh, don't have bets solidified yet just because on the sports books we haven't had top 10s and top 20s release i don't know if even that's going to be a thing just because the field isn't that big uh, i think it's only it's somewhere around 60 guys i think so we might not get those odds right now on the sports book it's just to win which is a little bit of a bummer i wish that one of the options was like to medal and that might end up being an option but for right now we only have overall odds Obviously, we'll go over the odds when we get to the Olympics, but it's going to be a really, really fun week. It might be a little complicated to watch. I know it's 6.30 p.m. Eastern to about 3 a.m., so it's late nights for everybody staying up to watch all of the Olympics, but I can't wait. It's going to be really, really fun. So we're going to dive into that full Olympics preview uh, later in the show. But then we have to, before that, we're going to recap the 3M Open. Cameron Champ gets the win. Uh, I've never been on record, but I, I don't want to call Cameron Champ like a little overrated, um, but he definitely struggled there for a, 
uh, for a while. He won in 2020, and then, I mean, he's missed 11 cuts this season, and they're not even, like, close cuts. Like, he comes in, like, last a lot, like, literally last of everybody through Thursday and Friday. He's been struggling, made a mental change after the Rocket Mortgage, and obviously that's paid off because he's had two really good performances since then. So he gets his third win. Uh, It's incredible. His ball speed, his driver swing, actually his swing in general is probably one of the purest swings on the PGA Tour, if not in golf. And his power is unprecedented. Uh, There was a social clip going around on Twitter with him, Charlie Hoffman, Mark Leishman, and Abe Anser playing a practice round, I believe, at the Northern Trust last season. And they were asking him like how many drivers he's cracked the faces of and all that kind of stuff. He's just electric off the tee, and his swing is really, really pretty. Made it very interesting down 18, which we'll get to. Uh, he was pulling driver no matter what, and he definitely made it way more interesting than it had to be. But Cameron, Cam- Cameron Champ excuse me, gets his third PGA Tour victory. Uh, but first, we got to talk about Bryson. Um, his news broke, I believe, late Saturday night, if I'm not mistaken. And he is COVID-19 positive. I don't know... I know he released a statement. I don't remember if he mentioned anything about him getting the vaccine. I don't know if he's vaccinated, but this is the first time he has it. So he is no longer representing the United States in the Olympics. Uh, I think he is in the field for the WGC in a couple weeks. I think he's still in that field. So we'll see. Obviously, he's going to have to test neg or he's going to have to be through the quarantine period or whatever if he's going to be in that field. But I believe he still is in that field. So he's out. And then the biggest one, the bigger story, is John Rahm being out. So, as everybody knows, he was leading the Memorial by six shots after after Saturday. And then right after he finishes round, officials come over. Dude, you have COVID. You got to withdraw, whatever. He comes back a couple weeks later and wins the U.S. Open. Now he tests positive for a second time, which I was reading the NFL during the season last year when a player tested positive and then went through quarantine. They were not to be tested within 90 days because I guess even if you are recovered, you can still test positive for it. John Rahm, I believe, which this is what I've read the most, got the first vaccine on site at the memorial because he came into close contact with somebody, got the first vaccine, and then he tested positive. And the CDC doesn't let you get the second vaccination within 90 days of you being COVID-19 positive. And I think he was still in that window. So I do not believe he got the second dose of the vaccination, which I could be wrong by that. But with what I read, that's what happened. And then he tested positive for the second time. So it's just a really complicated situation because we don't know if it's one of those he had it before and he's just still testing positive or if he actually hasn't for a second time just because he wasn't able to get the second dose of the vaccine. So it sucks for him either way. Right, You lose out on a definite win at the Memorial. Something would have to go catastrophically wrong for him not to win that golf tournament. And a lot of players' minds, he did win that golf tournament. And then now, playing some of the best golf of his career, has to withdraw from the Olympics in a spot where he was going to be the betting favorite and in a spot where you could bring your home country, which he loves Spain, he loves his home country, a gold medal, if not just a medal in the Olympic Games. So John Rahm sucks. Um, I think he's planning on getting the second vaccine. With everything I read, it just it's a just a really shitty situation. You'd love to see a guy playing really good golf with an opportunity to win a medal be in that field. John Rahm in that field makes the Olympics better. And it's really bummer. Like the guy that replaced him, I don't even know his name off the top of my head. Uh, I've never heard of him before. So who knows what he's going to bring to the table. But bummer for both, and Bryson, both Bryson and John Rahm that they will not be able to... Um, compete 
this week. That sucks. Grayson Murray is if you guys are following PGA Tour on Twitter or Phil Mickelson on Twitter or Grayson on Twitter, kind of came at the PGA Tour a little bit. Sorry, I'm going to put my glasses on so I can read. Um, Came at the PGA Tour a little bit this week. Um, He's a recovering alcoholic, and he came after the PGA Tour um, saying that the PGA Tour just offered no help in any way. He reached out to him. And the PGA Tour's response was, we'll get back to you. And then they just never do. And part of his tweet read, the PGA Tour didn't force me to drink, but the PGA Tour never gave me help. In my five years of experience on being on tour, not once have I ever had a request been acknowledged by the commissioner or the PAC other than we will get back to you. I hope not only the PGA Tour steps up in the areas they need to step up, but I also hope people are held accountable in the roles they serve. He goes on to say, all they want to do is pour money into the top 10 guys they promote. Just a really shitty situation because you never want somebody in that kind of situation to go through it alone because if they do, it's only going to get worse. It has to take, it takes a lot for somebody to look in the mirror and say, I got to stop doing this. I have to recover. And if you don't get help and you start thinking about the organization that you're within not giving you help, it's probably only going to make it worse, which is a real bummer, especially since the only response he ever got from the PGA Tour was, we will get back to you. That's about as bad as it gets. And for someone even within the PGA Tour system, not to reach out the commissioner, somebody to reach out and say, we got your back. What do you need from us? That just puts them in a really shitty spot because, again, it's only probably going to get worse than that. And then Phil Mickelson responded to the tweet saying, I'm sorry playing. The tour has been so overwhelming, and if I can help in any way, I'd be happy to. It's not an easy life for sure, and even winning every year can bring up other challenges. FYI, we will get back to you is the only response I've ever gotten to. I don't, he didn't elaborate. I don't know what Phil Mickelson has reached out to the PGA Tour about, but for the PGA Tour to even give one of its biggest stars, one of the best golfers of all time, the same response, I'm not saying that the top players should be treated differently and putting in a better spot to get better if they are in a shitty situation, but it, it looks like that is just a fluid response the PGA Tour gives everybody, no matter what your name is, and that's just not good. It has to be a better response at any level player. If a player is going out there and playing 30 weeks a year and not receiving any support, that's just not right. If you work at any position and you have a problem and you reach out to the the higher level, they're probably going to do something to help you. And for him not to get any help is just really shitty. So wishing Grayson Murray the best. He's struggling right now. I think he's missed like seven missed cuts, um, seven missed cuts in a row rather. So yeah, just... It's just way, it's complicated. Um, it's tough for me to put any like personal feeling behind it just because I don't know the situation um, at full, at length. But PGA Tour, the right answer is the PGA Tour has to step up and do something, right? They can't let their players feel this way, especially the P- life on tour is tough, man. Like you see the glitz and the glam of like the top guys and then you don't see the guys that are playing every week trying to just make cuts paying for their hotels paying for their own travel which everybody does but for these guys they're not making as much money so paying for that actually hurts the pocketbook especially when you're missing a bunch of cuts in a row then you're diving into your money that you've saved over your career you got to pay caddy you got to pay coach you got to pay you got to pay trainers and all that kind of stuff so if you're not making cuts and if you're not getting that guaranteed twenty thousand dollars a week if you make the cut 
it adds up really, really fast when you count in all those travel expenses, especially when you're in a scenario where you've missed that many cuts in a row. So it's tough. So hopefully Murray can get the help that he wants and needs, obviously. Um, it's just a really, really shitty situation for him. And I hope the PGA tour reaches out and does something good for him. Cause that's what they should do for everybody on tour, everybody within their organization, not even players. If they, if just a worker for the PGA tour has those problems, you have to step up and do something for that employee. With all the headlines out of the way, let's jump into 3M Open. So Cam Champ wins with a final round 66, his actually best score of the weekend. He wins by two shots. This is his third win on tour. His first came at the Sanderson Farms back in 2019, the second at the Safeway in 2020, and now the 3M Open in 2021. I was looking at a couple tweets, especially from the No Laying Up guys. Solly was tweeting out. Um, he was tweeting out some data golf information. And this golf course was legitimately the opposite of everything Cameron Champ does well. Uh, Cameron Champ is one of the longest players on tour. You need to get in one of those courses that you can just bomb it and then see how well your iron play is. Um, and this golf course was just like the opposite fit. I know he had a good finish at the John Deere. I believe he was T11 at the John Deere. But yeah, this golf course just didn't really... Um, didn't really do much. His last top 10 performance was at the Zozo back in October of 2020. So he was just not playing good golf. He was coming off a T11, like I just said, at the John Deere. But before that, his starts cut, cut, WD, cut, cut, T55. So sometimes golf just doesn't really make sense. Um, I mentioned it at the top of the show, but he didn't fail to make it interesting. <laughs> he came, he pulled driver on 18 when he absolutely did not have to. He already had a two-shot lead. And then, but after the round, he said, I'm going to pull driver on that hole, no matter the circumstances, if I'm winning, losing, whatever, he's going to pull driver on that hole, pulls it way left. Second shot nearly hits a tree. He doesn't even get it out of the rough, punches it up the fairway for his third. And then I believe he had 127 into the green with his fourth shot and sticks it, flies it behind the pin, spins it all the way back to a couple feet and makes a putt for par. Um, it was just phenomenal. Within that same range, within 125 to 150 on the year, entering the week, he was 189th in proximity. Also entering the week, he was outside the top 200 in strokes gained putting, but this week he led the field. He only made 20.4% of putts from 10 to 20 feet entering the week on the season. This week he made over 61% from that range. In his career, Cameron Champ is only, has only seven top 10s on tour, and three of those are wins. When he gets the opportunity, Cam is as good. He's just a closer. He gets it done when he finds those opportunities, which is a great first step. You'd love to see him get inside the top 10 more. Seven top 10s for your entire career. That is a very low lumber. That number, that was shocking to hear about Cameron Champ because everybody in their head, Cameron Champ, that's a big name. He's won a couple times on tour. For him to only have, what, six top 10s before this week, crazy. After the Rocket Mortgage, or after this tournament, after the 3M, uh, during an interview, he said that he kind of changed up his mental approach after the Rocket Mortgage. Quote was, after Detroit, I just took a step back and said, you know what, this is not this is enough. I can't keep going this way. I have to be true to myself and who I truly am as a person. This week, I really didn't get mad at results. If I did get mad, it was more so what I was thinking before that shot and what caused me to hit that shot. So it's definitely, for me, a better perspective as far as how to get around the golf course. And that's some stuff that I try to when people ask me tips or whatever on, on social media or some of the people that I coach, the mental side of the game is as important as the physical side, right? Your swing could be in the perfect position, but if you go up to a shot and you line up over a golf ball and you're thinking the wrong things, 
something wrong is probably most of the time going to happen. If you step up to a par three with water short and the only thing you're thinking of is water, water, water standing over the golf ball, you can probably guess where that golf ball is going to go. So focusing on just your golf swing, focusing on I am going to hit this 10 feet past the flag and pull it back. Having that sort of mental approach and not getting mad at results, if you feel like you put a good swing on it and you don't get mad at results or a bad bounce or anything like that, that's the way that you have to play golf. And it's awesome to hear that from Cameron Champ. He joins a very short list of players over the last three seasons, 27 and younger, to win at least one event over the last three seasons. John Rahm, Bryson DeChambeau, and Colin Morikawa are the other three names on that list. So he joins pretty high-quality players on that list. It was a phenomenal week for him. Great. It was very, he was emotional. Huge fist pump after he hit the little three-footer on the last. Had the hat down to cover his face from the camera walking off the green. Great win for Cameron Champ. Uh, so congratulations to him. Louie Ustazen was yet again right in the mix. This guy just has to get it done at some point. Although most of the time, the Open Championship was a little bit different because he didn't play well on Sunday. But most of the time, he really doesn't play himself out of a golf tournament, right? This final round at the 3M, he shot 66. It just wasn't good enough to get it done. At the U.S. Open, he didn't really make that many mistakes. He played pretty well all day long. I mean, that one pull tee shot on, what, 16 or 15? One of the last holes wasn't great, obviously, finding the hazard. Still had an opportunity to make par. But He's a guy that finishes in the top three, top five a lot, but he doesn't play himself out of golf tournaments. Like a lot of guys like Rory had a thing going on with Sundays where he just can't get it done on Sundays. That's different when you're at the top of the leaderboard and then suck. Louie just is at the top of the leaderboard, plays well on Sunday, and then just can't get it, doesn't get it going enough. Uh, his last seven starts on tour, T2, T8, T2, T18, solo second, T3, T2. His only PGA Tour win came at the Open in 2010, and that's a victory that I have a hard time calling a PGA Tour win. I know that it counts towards your PGA Tour win total, obviously, but for the Open Championship to be your only PGA Tour title after you've been on tour for over a decade is very surprising for me for a guy of Louis Uzdays. And he does, I know he's struggled with the putter in the past, but his swing is one of the more consistent swings on the planet. And he is leading, I still believe, stroke scene putting on tour this season. So he's doing everything well and still hasn't been able to get the job done. Since 2011, Louis has the most top three finishes on tour without a win with 18. And that's twice as much as the next guy, Jason Bonet, with nine. So he's up there a lot. He finishes in the top five, top three a lot, but just hasn't been able to get it done yet. With the state of his game and his, and his position in the FedEx Cup, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out there and wins the Northern Trust or wins the BMW. His game is just in way too good of a spot not to get it done sooner or later, but I'm sure that's what people have been saying since his win at the Open Championship back in 2010. So who knows what Louis Ustazen is up to. I don't know, but another good week for Louie. Keith Mitchell on Saturday was ridiculous. He had an opportunity to do something pretty damn cool. He opened his scorecard with seven straight birdies and then played his last 11 holes at plus two. If you're going to have a shot at shooting 59 or 60 or 61, that was it. And then just could not get it going on the back nine, uh, which was a little bit of a bummer. He finishes in solo fifth. The guy that I picked going into the week was Mav McNeely. And going into Sunday, it looked pretty damn good. He was in the second to last group. He was only one shot back. And I don't know if that pressure was a little bit too much of a, too much for him. I know at the AT&T, I think he was in the last group actually at the at the Pro-Am and ended up, I didn't, I think he eagled, right? Or the second to last group or third to last, he eagled the last hole. It was phenomenal. But maybe being in that spotlight 
uh, as one of the guys, only one back was a little bit too much. He shot a final round plus two. He birdied 10 to get his round back to even par for the day. So maybe if he did something awesome coming down the stretch, we would have seen him make a little bit more of a move. But he doubled 14, and that was kind of it. Wash his hands. Uh, he did have a top 20 finish too, or top 20 finish still. Uh, his game is also really good. He rolls the rock. He's so good off the. He's so good off the tee. His iron play was really good for the first three days. There is no doubt in my mind that he is creeping up to a PGA Tour win. He's got to. He's way too talented not to win soon. Another guy that looked good, uh, Ricky. I said it on the show multiple times over the last month that Ricky is approaching another win on the PGA Tour. He's ready to return to glory, as some people say. Uh, he tied the lead on Saturday looked really good the irons looked phenomenal he was rolling his rock like ricky fowler used to roll his rock a couple years ago and then a eight on the par five last on saturday kind of did him in not good shot even par in the final round again another day where he just couldn't keep the bogeys up the scorecard and ended up finishing in a tie for 34th for ricky again i do think another pga tour win is coming for him those glasses (laughs) has actually been a game changer which is hilarious to say but those prescription sunglasses have been game changer for rick so hopefully i mean golf is always just in a better spot when ricky fowler plays good golf the kids are more into it he's just another big name to look at a leaderboard said oh ricky fowler's having a good week i'm gonna tune in so hopefully ricky returns to top tens and winning hopefully soon for the bets we had a great week actually we had five bets i loved these going into the week i made the card uh on or was released on wednesday and after I recorded the video and was rereading the article. I just loved all of these bets with the guys that were playing really good golf, good value at all the positions. I just felt really, really confident going into this week. And we had a really good week. We had uh, Mav McNeely top 30. That hit easily at plus one. I say easily, but I think he was T17, but Sunday was a little bit scary with that back nine. But McNeely top 30 for plus 130. We hit that. Hank LeBiota, which this was a little bit of a bummer. We had him top 30 for plus 160. Really good value for Hank. Got our money back on that one, though, which is really nice. He had to WD due to personal reasons. He did make the cut. He was four under through the first two days and made the cut, but he had to WD uh, due to personal reasons, but got the money back on that one. So that one's fine. Joel Damon, top 40, plus 125. We missed that one. He ended up tying for 67th. He had a 76 on Saturday, which murdered all of our chances. He had an okay round on Sunday, but that that 76 kind of just blew everything out the window. So that sucks on Joel. Johnny Vegas, he was in the conversation to win. He finished T2. We had him for a top 40 at plus 125. In hindsight, I believe on the show last week, I mentioned I think he had what, three top 11s in his last six starts. So I easily could have pushed that one up to probably a top 30 finish, but we had a top 40 for Johnny Vegas, a plus 125. And then we had Pat Perez for a top 40 plus 190, which hit very, very easily. His game is starting to look a lot sharper. He's a multiple PGA Tour winner. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if he makes a run at a title here coming up coming up in the next couple months. We had Pat Perez plus 190. That hit also. So we were up 34 five units on position plays this week uh obviously we didn't hit any of our outrights hank wd um so we got our money back on that outright pick we had mcneely and then bubba who just shit the bed he was playing fantastic golf and then i don't know what happened with the week off from the open and not being able to travel but that sucks but position plays up over uh 3.4 units so we will always take that pretty good at the op- uh 3m open it was a pretty good tournament Uh, the field wasn't the leaderboard coming down the stretch wasn't fantastic but it was all right 
It's always a good week when you win money, so we'll take that. But let's get into the Olympics. Let's get into the Tokyo Olympics, the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, which I think is really funny that they still name it 2020, which I get why. But the USA, the USA team is ready to compete for some medals. Our team is just stacked. I went over our team already, but Colin Morikawa just crowned the champion golfer of the year. I think he's the number two player in the world. Justin Thomas is one of the most electric players in golf. When he gets it going, watch the fuck out. Because I think and full flight, not many people in the world can beat Justin Thomas. Xander Shoffley, bona fide top five, top 10 every single time he tees it up. We're going to be looking at Xander this week. And then Patrick Reed is Captain America. The nickname is obvious for itself. Hopefully, when he puts on that USA gear, he goes back to his 2016 Ryder Cup vibes and dominates. Again, sucks that Bryson and um, Bryson and John Rahm aren't going to be here. Makes the field a lot weaker. Well, I guess not because we go Bryson to Patrick Reed. So that's not that big of a change. But John Rahm to a guy you never heard of, that kind of sucks. Field. Uh I included a full list on the betting article of the whole field if you guys are interested, but I'll just go over some some notables. Australia's Cam Smith and Mark Leishman. Canada's Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes. If you go down a little bit, you got a Great Britain is Paul Casey and Tommy Fleetwood. That's a great pairing. Ireland is Rory and Shane Lowry. That's another great pairing. Um, Japan is Hideki. He hasn't had a top 20 since the Masters. Uh, we're going to mention that a little bit later in the show, but he's obviously going to be where all the news is for sure over in Tokyo this week. Mexico is Abe Anter and Carlos Ortiz, which is like a sneaky good group. Victor Hovland is on the Norway team. Let's see here. South Korea, which we're going to talk about in a second, is Sungjae M and Siwoo Kim. Sweden is Alex Noren on there, who's been playing some good golf of late. The U.S. team I already mentioned, Venezuela, Johnny Vegas, coming off a top five performance at the 3M Open. I mentioned the South Korea team. The pair from South Korea will be pe- will be playing for a little bit more than just a medal this week. If Sungjae M and Siwoo Kim are able to finish in the top three and make podium, get a medal for South Korea, they will be exempt from mandatory military status. All males uh, that are from South Korea have to serve in the military at some point. But there's exemptions along the way, uh, and this is one of them. If you medal in the Olympics, you do not have to serve your military stint. K.H. Lee and Sung Kang, who both play on the PGA Tour, and I believe are both full-time members of the PGA Tour, both from South Korea, have already earned, earned exemptions, actually, due to gold medal wins at the Asian Games. K.H. Lee won in 2010, and Sung Kang won in 2006. So they are good. They do not need to serve their military um, service, which is good for them. But really, really, really big pressure on Sung Jae and Siwoo Kim, which sucks because if they don't medal, we lose them on the PGA Tour for, I think, like 18 months. They have to go and serve their military service for 18 months, I believe, and we lose them on the PGA Tour. Uh, so they, they skipped the Open for this. They are preparing for this. They are preparing for this golf course. They are preparing for the Olympics. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for them. So good luck to the, those two guys I will be rooting for because it's a little... Uh, a little crazy, but South Korea is going to do what they're going to do. The golf course, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, guys. It is K-A-S-U-M-I-G-A-S-E-K-I Country Club. I tried. I tried going on YouTube. I tried looking it up. I tried going on a golf channel to see if they were going to say it. They didn't say it. So I don't know how to pronounce it. So that's which is what it is. It's going to play a little over 7,400 yards for the week. Obviously, that scorecard yarded, so it could be it could be less than that. Par 72, uh, another guy that I don't know how to pronounce his name, Jazz uh Jane Wantana Naud. Don't come for me. I don't know how to pronounce that guy's last name. 
was on Twitter and responded to a um, a mention on Twitter saying that this golf course uh, plays a little bit like TPC Southwind, which is the home of the WGC, uh, WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational, which is actually the next tournament on the tour schedule due to grass type weather, kind of stuff like that, which bodes well for Justin Thomas because he's the defending champion of that event. So we'll see if that actually comes true. In this betting article that you guys are going to read on Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever you guys get to a chance to read it, within it is embedded a flyover the front nine and the back nine. If you got, I think it's a combined like twenty five minutes. If you guys want to watch it, get a little feel for what the golf course is going to look like come Thursday night. It's very good. They kind of a guy narrates it the whole time, showing where to miss it, where you got to go, and kind of stuff like that. So I definitely suggest you guys go watch it. It's all embedded. The weather, it is hot as shit. Uh, we're just going to go over the tournament days. Thursday is 92, partly cloudy, 24 per- 24% chance to rain, blowing 12. Friday is 93, p.m. thunderstorms, blowing 9. Saturday is 91, scattered thunderstorms, 51% chance to rain, blowing 9. And Sunday is 88, thunderstorms, 73% chance of rain. So the weather might not be great on metal day, and it's going to be blowing 9. So the, the wind's not going to be crazy high. It's going to be pretty consistent, uh, but we might get some rain throughout the week, which kind of sucks. Key stats, obviously, for obvious reasons, we don't have a bunch of information about this track. The last time a substantial event was held here was back in 2010 for the Asian Am, and Hideki actually won that golf tournament. And then a couple months later, he won low am at the Masters. But if we go back to the Zozo Championship in 2019, I expect the golf courses to kind of play a little bit similar. If you guys watched the Zozo a couple years ago when Tiger won, actually, and Hideki came in second accuracy off the tee is really big a lot of the holes are tree lines you have to hit it in the fairway and then with every pretty much golf tournament your irons have to be really good um you gotta you gotta give yourself a lot of chances at birdie you gotta hit these greens so we're gonna be looking at accuracy off the tee in combination with good iron play betting odds colin morikawa with john rom actually i don't even know if john rom would have been the favorite i'm sure he would have been i would have put colin morikawa there no matter what just because of what he just did at royal st george's but colin morikawa is the favorite at plus 700 xander shoffley is at plus 900 justin thomas is a plus a thousand hideki's at 11 victor hovland's at 12 so is rory patrick or paul casey excuse me is at 14 patrick reed's at 14 shane lowry's at two abraham answers at two neiman's at two cam smith's at 22 Corey Connors at 27, Sungjae M's at 27, Tommy Fleetwood's 29, Mark Leishman's 31. Uh, if you go down, Alex Norris at five, Thomas Peters at six, and Carlos Ortiz from Mexico is at also at six. Quick note: the betting odds in 2016, all three medalists were inside plus 2,000 and in. So the favorites at the first playing of the Olympics definitely they rose to the cream of the top, which I guess makes sense, right? Because a lot of these names I've never seen before. So it makes sense that the PGA tour guys, the big names in the sport rise kind of to the top during the Olympics. It kind of just makes sense. So that brings us to, we're going to go over all four guys on the American side. And then we're going to go over two guys that I think uh, could make a run at this thing also. So first up Patrick Reed, the only thing that makes sense to me going into this week is just because of everything that happened, Bryson pulling out, Patrick playing pretty good golf right now. The only thing that makes sense is Patrick Reed mating, making a push towards the podium come Sunday night. So, or even, does that mean Monday early morning? Is that the right way? I don't know. But 
whatever way that time zone works. I still don't really get fully get that to be completely honest. Patrick Reed is going to make a push toward the podium, I believe. His stroke gain numbers over his last 24 rounds look pretty damn good. He's 28th in total, 15th to the green, 44th ball striking, 27 uh, short game. 109 off the tee, 29th in approach, 7th around the green, and 111 putting, which makes sense because if your strokes gained around the green number is really, really high, you're not going to gain a lot of strokes with the putter just because your short game is so good that your ball gets close to the hole when you don't find a green regulation, and then you have short putts. So all that kind of makes sense. Back in 2019 at the Zozo, which I do think this golf course is going to play a lot similar to that one, he finished inside the top 20 with a T-17. His nickname is Captain America for a reason. I expect him to represent the country very, very proudly. He loves these opportunities to put USA on that shirt. I think he's going to play really well this week. I'm not going to spend a whole lot on Colin Morikawa, his odds at plus 700. It's tough to put any action on that, especially if we don't get top 10 options. If we have to bet Colin Morikawa to win at plus 700, even without a medal option, I just don't like doing that. But after his clear jug performance, after winning the PGA, and I made a TikTok about this earlier today, after winning the PGA at Harding Park, he has two majors. He won a WGC title at concession in one of the strongest fields I've ever seen in golf. He has five PGA Tour wins already. If you add a gold medal to that resume, he may already be in the Golf Hall of Fame, which is insane to think about for a kid that has only played a couple seasons on tour. But a couple major titles, a WGC, a gold medal, I don't know how that resume, because you know he's going to win more on the PGA Tour. You know he's going to sneak up into the the probably near the 20 win total, right? It's tough to see that resume as it stands right now, not like not making the Hall of Fame. Like I could just see him being in the Hall of Fame already, which is just crazy. Excuse me to talk about him in the Hall of Fame already, the 24 year old kid or whatever, however old he is. Xander Shoffley. When you think about Xander Shoffley, he's one of the biggest names on tour. When you think about major performances, he's one of the guys that people always think he's going to win when the Master comes around, U.S. Open comes around. One of the first names out of your mouth is Xander Shoffley. Obviously, he had a good week at the Masters. He's had huge performances at the U.S. Open before, but he's yet to really have that huge PGA Tour win, that kind of breakout win. Yes, he's won the Tour Championship. That field is made of 30 people, and the year that he won, he didn't even win the FedEx Cup. He just won the golf tournament. He won a WGC, but he won the WGC HSBC champions, the smallest WGC event. Not Some of the biggest names in the world don't even play in that WGC event. It's the smallest one. He's still looking for that huge win. And this, a gold medal in the Olympics would be Xander's first. Like, Put that on the resume. That's my shit. Look at that. What? Look what I just did in the second playing in the Olympics. I won gold. In his last six solo starts, Xander has five top 15 finishes. The only one that he didn't finish inside the top 15 was actually the last time he teed it up was at the Open Championship. He ended a tie for 26th. His strokes gain numbers over his last 24 rounds also look really good. 12th total, 32nd tee to green, 26th in ball striking, 54th uh, off the tee, 27th in approach, 125th in around the green, 124th in putting. Obviously, when your iron game is that good, you're not going to gain a lot of strokes with your around the green play in your putting. But if he rolls the rock at all this week, Xander is going to be a guy to beat. At the Zozo back in 2019, Xander finished T10. Again, he's at only a plus 900. He's not even in the 1,000 range yet. If we don't get medal options, it's going to be tough to put 
and be confident with Xander at plus 900. That's just not a very good odds, but his game translates anywhere in the world. It's just so consistent. He's such a good ball striker. He's good off the tee. He's one of those guys that can win anywhere. He can win any event in an idea. I guess he hasn't yet, but Xander's going to be a guy to watch also. The last man representing the USJT in his last five starts, Justin Thomas has three finishes at T40 or worse. He's made every cut, but T40 or worse in three of his last five starts, including the last time he teed it up when he finished in a tie for 40th at the Open. It's been his putter. It's been his putter his entire career. It's been his putter. When he's rolling it, you might as well chalk up a top 10, top five. JT is going to finish there that week. If not, we're going to be on cut watch and we're gonna be we're gonna be a little nervous with JT. His ball striking is phenomenal, and his strokes gain numbers over his last twenty four rounds kind of reflect that idea. He's thirty seventh total, but the only portion dragging that down is two hundred twenty fourth in strokes gain putting. Which, when you look at these other numbers, fifth tee to green, tenth in ball striking, fourteenth off the tee, twenty fourth in approach. That two twenty four, you're like, oh, that's just because every other facet of his game is so good. Well, yes, to a point, and then you start losing strokes on the green, and then that's where it's a problem. Again, you have to kind of keep it in account that these stroke gain numbers are the last 24 rounds on the PGA Tour. So everybody kind of knows that for the last month, all the big names, for the most part, have been playing on the European Tour. So that's not included in this. Um, but again, JT, it's always been that putter. If the Scotty cooperates this week, he's going to be in the mix. I think for the USA sake, for the USA team, I think best case scenario is if Justin Thomas out of the four is the one to win the gold medal. He's one of the faces of American golf. When people from other countries think about the PGA Tour and think about Americans, Justin Thomas is one of the first faces that come to mind. It's Tiger, it's JT. It's Jordan Spieth, it's DJ, it's Brooks. Those are the guys. Justin Thomas is one of those faces. He's loved everywhere. He's one of the faces of American golf. And I think out of the four guys on the USA team, I think best case scenario is for American golf for the PGA Tour is if Justin Thomas wins the gold medal this weekend. One of the first uh, international guys that we're going to be looking for is Abe Answer. His recent finishes and majors have not been great. He missed the cut at Torrey. He finished outside the top 50 at Royal St. George's. But in his last five regular tour stops, he's finished T18 at the RBC Heritage, fifth at the Valspar, second at the Wells Fargo, T14 at Charles Schwab, and fourth at the Travelers. And he also had a top 10 at Kiwa Island. He's a model of consistency when it comes to the golf game. He's seventh on torn fairways in regulation, 23rd in greens of regulation. He's also rolling it over his last 24 rounds. He's sixth in strokes and putting. Again, that's PGA Tour numbers. His full strokes and numbers over his last 24 rounds, seventh total, 23 tee to green, 15th in ball striking, 10th off the tee, four, uh, 42nd in approach, and again, sixth putting. He stepped up during the President's Cup when he was for international team. Now it's time to step up for his home country in Mexico, which I'm sure that he'll feel even more pride for. Abe Answer is going to be one of those sneaky picks. So consistent, does everything really well, and he's well, and he's rolling his rock right now. Would not surprise me at all if Abe Answer podiums this weekend. I just think he's got the face. He loves playing for his country. Would not surprise me in the slightest. Corey Connors is another guy that plays ridiculous, 
cons- ridiculously consistent golf, excuse me, and that could be a reason why he kind of comes in and kind of upsets for a medal. He's not on the same run that he was late last year into early spring this year, but he does have three top 20 finishes over his last five starts. He plays incredibly consistent golf. He's 11th on tour in both fairways and regulation and greens of regulation. The only part not clicking in his putter right now, strokes gain isn't calculated at the Open Championship, but in five of his last six events leading up to the last major of the year, Connor's actually lost strokes on the greens. His ball striking and tee to green play is good enough to compete with any field. If that putter comes along for the ride and he and he just starts rolling it on these greens, he's another guy that could come in and upset for a podium. We're just looking for those guys that are consistently good, and that guy is as consistent as it gets when it comes to tee to green play. It's just going to come down to his putter just like Justin Thomas. He's in the same kind of realm when we talk about that. You need to roll your rock to compete. If he does, he's going to be right up there. And then some of the other guys that I thought about mentioning, obviously, this is a Roy McIlroy podcast. We got to talk about Roy, but first, Hideki, he's going to be the story of the week. He's the hometown kid. He's in Japan for an opportunity to win a medal for his home country. The pressure is all on Hideki. That's where all the media is going to be. It's going to be a circus around that guy this week. He hasn't been playing great golf. His last top 20 was the Masters, which he won. That's pretty much it. He's just more stock would be putting into Hideki this week if he was in any sort of form. He's just not. And combine that, I'm sure he's working his ass off over there. I'm sure that he's been at that golf course from sun up to sundown over the last couple of weeks to get it really, really in tune to perform for his people over there in Japan. But without the proven form recently, it's really tough to put any stock in that. I think, what did I say that he was at betting-wise? He's at 1,100 again with his form coming in. I just don't see any value there unless we get like top 10 or top 20. But again, at 1,100, you're not going to get plus odds for either one of those positions. So it's going to be really tough to bet Hideki this week. It's also going to be tough to bet Rory this week. Um, Of course, now that I just said that, this is going to be the week that he goes out there and wins a gold medal. But he's just not very enthusiastic about playing this week. He said it was the right thing to do, but the history between Ireland, Northern Ireland, everything over there is very, very complicated. And because of that, he's not very patriotic. Uh, so if you're not excited to play in a golf tournament, if you're not in that right right mindset, it's going to be really hard to compete. Obviously, he's a competitor. He wants to win every time he steps on a tee box. But that mentality can kind of creep in, right? If you start not playing well in the first round, do you have that extra gear to go to to be like, man, I really care about the golf tournament. I'm going to go win. So it's one of those things. He's also mentioned like, I don't know what national anthem is going to play, like stuff like that. He did mention that it's going to be nice that with a couple days or like a week to just work on the game, doesn't have the family with him, just sun up, sun down, go just play golf and get the game in a better spot, especially leading up to the playoffs, which that's what I'm more excited for. Like no distractions, just go get your game in a good spot for the WGC, which he just committed to the FedEx St. Jude Invitational. He's going to be in Memphis playing in that. And then you have the Northern Trust and BMW coming up. That's what I'm excited about, Rory. Get your game in a better spot. At the Open, he had one of the highest birdie totals, but then also made a bunch of bogeys and made a double. So you just got to limit those mistakes, and some of them were even mental. I went over that when we went over the Open Championship recap a couple, uh, was that last week actually? This week is all about just getting that game tuned in. If he plays well, I think that's a little bit of a bonus, but I think distraction-free, time to be at the range, be at the golf course, and just kind of taking it all in, I think that's where it's going to be really beneficial for McElroy. So hopefully that is the case. But guys, that is it. That is the show for the week. 
Uh, follow the Instagram at Twilight9Pod. Follow my personal Instagram at RileyHamill underscore. Send me any messages, any questions that you guys want to be featured on the show. Again, remember, next week, reach out to me if you want to be featured on the show because next week we're starting the listener segment where you guys can send in a short little video or audio clip, make a couple picks for the week, and be featured on the show. We'll tag your Instagram and stuff in the podcast description. Uh, we'll post you a little snippet on TikTok too. So if you want to be on the show, if you want to be featured, reach out to me and send me a little video. But that's it for the show, guys. Enjoy the Olympics. You're going to have to stay up late Eastern time, but it is going to be worth it. It's going to be really, really fun. Our friend, uh, the people on the West Coast, I think, man, I'm just having a hard time like going through the time zones, but I think if you're on the West Coast, you're in better shape to watch the Olympics, I'm pretty sure, because then it starts at like three and only goes to like 12. So you're probably in a little bit better shape to watch the Olympics, but enjoy it this week, and I will talk to you guys next time.